You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 133, we're discussing the next year or so in Star Wars. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And we are Sanjay-less again this week. He has taken a little bit of a break for the next couple weeks, doing a bit of traveling before the school year, before September kicks in. I say school year, but none of us are in school. <laughs> we have children that are kind of in school. But like I said last week, that's kind of the pseudo new year for us here. The big new beginnings for the nerd room when Sanjay comes back. Actually, we're not doing anything really that different. We're going to be continuing with this same formula, but we love it. We love talking nerd and we love talking to you guys and we love that you listen back and like i said at the top here you know we're gonna be talking a bit about star wars really in 2019 what's to come what are we anticipating and what are we excited for we usually do this a bit towards the end of the year but i thought with everything going on in stars everything has been announced to date i want to get a bit of a handle want to discuss a bit about where we're at, where our head's at with Star Wars. We had a, a very real discussion about Black Series last week, and that got me thinking about Star Wars and listing things like Resistance all the way to Episode Nine. There's a lot coming. You know, could 2019 be the best year in Star Wars? That's the question I want to pose to you guys, and that's the question I'm going to pose to my dude Troy sitting across from me here. Yeah, 2019, man, we got our hands full, right, with... Um... A Galaxy's Edge, obviously, yes. and then the Clone Wars, and then Episode Nine, and then Celebration, uh, Celebration, and then Favreau's shooting in 2019. I believe so. Right. So, man, we got our hands full, and then you just mentioned to me off air that we're getting Clone Wars figures, possibly yes. too. So, I'm all in, man. This is this is great. This is exciting. Um, I don't want to go on a tangent about Last Jedi or even Solo or anything like that, but I was highly anticipating The Last Jedi, but that was about it for my anticipation levels. You know what was a highlight for me for 2018, I guess, 2018, 2017, was Rebels finale. That was kind of the highlight for me. I'd have to say that takes the cake for all around Star Wars news and and media for me, at least for 2018 when it comes to Star Wars stuff. But 2019, there's just so much out there. Like anything could take the win for me. It could be the Clone Wars. It, it could be Resistance. It could be um, Episode Nine. Who yeah, knows? There's so much. And looking back at where we've come from in the last couple of years, since really the relaunch under the Disney banner, the new Lucasfilm, if you will, we've had a movie a year. We've had, like you said, Rebels really coming to the forefront of Star Wars and capturing a lot of fandom's attention. We've had a a revitalization in the comic books, the books, everything that Claudia Gray's doing, E.K. Johnson. There's fantastic writing going on in Star Wars right now, and it's, it's a lot to take in. And it's a lot to kind of really fixate on a portion of Star Wars, whether it's the comics, the books, the films, TV, whatever. But now we're expanding into even bigger things, like a Disneyland park, a hotel. It's it's very overwhelming to think about how much Star Wars we're going to have to consume here. And that's not even including any of the other films that have been announced, but not really, I guess we don't have a ton of information about them. 
So we're going to get into all of that type of discussion a little later on in the episode. But like we always do in the nerd room here, we like to kick things off with our week in nerd. It's been a busy few weeks for the both of us. We've each individually been out on the hunt. Have you had or continued with your success? Have you have you kind of pulled back like you said you were last week? Or did you do a deep dive? You said you're going out on a hunt last yeah. weekend. Any success? Not really, man. It was a pretty pretty slow uh, week in nerdum for me, for collecting-wise. I did go out there on a hunt. Um, I, I still haven't managed to actually pick up any comics. Actually, I haven't been able to read any comics, except for trades. I'm in a big trade mode yeah. right now. You know what I mean? I know you feel me on that, and especially uh, X-Men. I'm on this huge X-Men kick right now. Um, but apart from that, no, I just picked up little things. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm a big Michael Jackson guy, and I, I found this King of Pop, Michael Jackson, no pun intended, but King of Pop can, this Pepsi can <laughs> of Michael Jackson. And uh, there's something about it, this image on there. I just love it. So I had to get my hands. I don't drink pop, really, but I, I paid the four bucks for their, a 12-pack of Coke or Pepsi, uh, just for this can. And I did your trick where, you know, you empty it from the top, I believe. I emptied it from the bottom. Oh, from the bottom. Okay. Because obviously, like you mentioned, you don't want to let it, I guess, no. uh, burst all yeah. over your stuff because so, at time it will, right? Yeah. I've seen this in the past and I had another collector a long time ago caution me on this. So I've, I've collected the Dr. Pepper cans from the last or from Avengers and Age of Ultron. They didn't do one from Infinity War, which is kind of disappointing. So right. I have this huge can collection. And I had someone tell me once, never keep the cans above anything unless they're empty. Because eventually, whether it's Coke, Dr. Pepper, anything, it'll eat through the can and it right. will leak. And you'll just get this syrupy mess. And if they're up high or above your collectibles, you're going to have that all over, especially if you have things in box stored right. away. What a nightmare. And I've seen it. It's happened to me twice. And luckily, there was nothing below. It was stored in kind of a weird place. It was extra cans I had that I didn't empty. But they both exploded. And if I had had collectors underneath them, it would have been an absolute disaster. Oh. So what I do is I drill a hole in the bottom. It's a bit messy. Do it in a sink. Empty out the contents. And then I put a little bit of a, a seal, silicone seal on the bottom so that any you're not having stuff crawling in because it's hard to get all the sticky crap out and all that. Right. But that makes it look like a full can because you don't have to pop the top. So it, exactly. it kind of gives the, the perception that it's it's brand new. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a good look. It's a yeah. good look. So that's, uh, that's another Nerd Room tip 101 yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't learn the hard way on that one. <laughs> yes, I picked up one of those. And then, you know, um, shout out to Sanjay, I guess, because that Dollarama that he's been hitting up for those, like, uh, Mattel yeah. multiverse DC characters. Uh, my wife went in there, and she actually found me a Sabine Star Wars Infinity, which is just random. What? It's a, it's a line that's been discontinued, and I, I pick up the odd ones. And Sabine is you can't go wrong with Sabine, so I got her for like four bucks, which is nice. awesome. Yeah, so she sits on my shelf now, joining some of the other lines. Um, I got X Men Gold Volume One as well on trade, and uh, there's something else. Oh, and a video game. I got a Final Fantasy video game, so it's been pretty chill. It hasn't yeah. been like a crazy like action figure hunt. Have you picked up call. that uh, PS4 Spider-Man game? I think that dropped, didn't it? It comes out Friday. So Friday, you guys might not okay. see me for a long time. Yeah, no, I picked it up Friday. I got the, the, the pre-order, the special edition. There's, yeah. there's one above, which is like comes with the PlayStation in red. I don't need that because I got the PlayStation already. But this one that I'm getting is going to come with a statue, I think, a steelbook, I think a comic, 
um Dope. a whole bunch of goodies yeah i can't <laughs> wait so i'll definitely show that off but man this game looks hype can't wait yeah because i was in eb games uh, i think on sunday and i saw it but it must have just been the pre-order that you could buy yeah they have those they tend to have those the pre-orders they come in a case so yeah. it looks like you can pick it up but yeah. yes for the pre-order yeah exactly okay very cool yeah, i look forward man. to sitting over your shoulder at some point oh, in time and, and you, watching man. you play got you. that and <laughs> battlefront 2 gotta have you guys over yeah <laughs> cannot wait now my week for me is it's again been pretty quiet i like how you said your week was pretty quiet and then you listed off <laughs> this huge <laughs> list of things but i was uh i was over out in the states there for the better part of last week but i did have a chance to get over to a target now we don't have nice. target here in canada and we don't have anything that's that's kind of like it outside of a walmart but i managed to get over there and things were stacked pretty deep particularly with regards to the marvel studios 10th anniversary line the legends line for the first time i saw the captain america civil war two pack so that's crossbones and cap i saw the hulk buster and hulk which is a big set and i saw the thanos Doctor Strange, and Iron Man set from Infinity War that are all part of the same line. So they're all boxed the same. It all looks gorgeous. Now, I only picked up the Civil War. It was, I think, $49 in the States. And they kind of go up. I think the Hulkbuster and Hulk is the most at about 100 bucks right. for the two of them. That, that's quite expensive. I don't know if I'll be getting those because I do have versions of the Hulkbuster and the Hulk. They've just repainted them for, I believe, Age of Ultron. It is the one that it is celebrating there. But And then the Thanos and the Doctor Strange and the Iron Man. Doctor Strange isn't too different than the one we've got. Yeah, and I think the, the face is a little different. Slightly. Yeah, the sculpt's yeah. a little different. The Iron Man's the same as we got from Infinity War, and the Thanos is the Build-A-Figure. Yeah, so, I think Iron Man's uh, chest just lights up. Yeah, it does. Right? It does light up. Right. Yeah, it's got a little button on the front. So yeah. almost pulled the trigger on that one, but I decided just to walk away with the Civil War pack. But am I happy with it? You know, we were talking a little bit before you asked me, did I do a comparison of the Captain America face sculpt and body sculpt to the Civil War release, so the single pack release in the Legends for 2016's Captain America Civil War? I did that exact comparison. This one is far superior. The body sculpt is better. The paint apps are much more subtle, much more likened to what you see in civil war they're not as dark they're they're very muted but it looks more film accurate and the face sculpt on itself like the the steve rogers the chris evans really comes through it comes with both a masked and an unmasked version the unmasked is is almost there we're talking uncanny valley but the masked version is is again different than the masked version we got from the original release they've gone back and re-sculpted the face underneath the helmet so it looks more film accurate. And this is something that I mentioned last week that Hasbro has been doing. And we're asking questions about, do we like these realistic face sculpts? So kind of a mini hot toy, if you will. Yeah. Not, not quite on that level, but the sculpting is getting really good. And the Frank Grillo sculpt we got for Crossbones here, also really, really great. So I'm extremely happy with this Legends set. It was worth the $50 American to me, which would be about your $69 price point in Canada for when they do eventually show up. But this line is absolutely killing it. You know, we we really praised it last week. And now getting my hands on this one and seeing some of the other big two and three packs, I'm thoroughly impressed with this. It's really good. And I got to say, you know, I I just did mention to you off air that I'm probably done with the whole set. But you know what? I think it's pretty good value for anybody really that's interested to pick up the uh, the Thanos line just because that is a builder figure. And for that 
that price point is pretty cool. And then you got Iron Man that lights up. You get a better looking Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty good value. And then I really do like these touch ups, like you mentioned with Cap. Um, I've noticed a couple of comparisons between the Cap you have and the SH Figure Arts, the Bandai, yeah, uh, like the import line. And, and those guys are normally pretty good, but this Cap is really on par with those. Like I think they did an incredible job with the Cap you picked up. That helmet sculpt is awesome. It's, yeah. It just looks so good. So yeah. good. And that's one of the things that we were always criticizing a little bit, even when you step into the Star Wars Elite Series line, is the face sculpts and the paint apps on the face. Yes, they do mass characters. They do aliens really well in the Star Wars. And even in this line, like Hulk has always looked really good in this line. But being that a lot of the MCU is filled out with human-looking characters, not so much the alien side like you get in Star Wars, yeah. you find that... The when you're looking at them in comparison to what we're getting now, it's almost night and day from the figures from two, three years ago. Yeah. So even the Star-Lord comparison from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to Volume 1, again, night and day, the Chris Pat, Pratt likeness, it's not bang on, but the figure itself looks a lot better. The Drax is far yeah. superior from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to compared to Volume 1. So I'm finding myself rebuying figures, even though they look relatively the same because they've really upped the game on the sculpts. Yeah, definitely. And you know, all, all this talk about Marvel Legends, because we could do it for days. I think we really got to compile a list and do our top, you know, Marvel Legends, Star Wars Black Series at the end of the year here, because we've collected quite a bit. Yeah, this 2018. Is, this has been it's a nuts. big year. Yeah, for a year yeah. that we both said, I think at the start, <laughs> we're really going to pull back on, on right. certain lines. We've kind of went head first in all of these and not really stopped. So that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll pick that up yeah. maybe in November time frame. Because nice. we nice. did this last year with Corey from Tumbling Savory, if you remember. We kind of did a look back on collecting right. for the year. And we have to catch up with those boys too for Commonwealth Comics and Collecting, which is yeah. something that we're talking about recording here in the not-too-distant future. So we're going to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about that then. But I agree. We need to kind of run down this year because I'm finding myself all mixed up. Because yeah. we've had two... Star Wars films, very big MCU films in Black Panther and Infinity yep. War. So we do need a rundown because everything is kind of bled together this year and last year for me. Definitely. Definitely, man. Look forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. And for me, for comics, it's it's been all about Star Wars. I've been going back and doing the trade thing. You know, I've been catching <sighs> up on Poe. I've been catching up on the Star Wars run. But I'm doing it in trades, which is a little different for me. But I'm finding it way more consumable in that way. And Grabs, he gave me a good idea, actually. He's out there on Twitter asking for some ideas with regards to a Comixology, uh, I think a month subscription he accidentally signed up for, asking, you know, what can he read or consume in that time frame and utilize that subscription. And I'm thinking to myself, this is probably not a bad idea to grab like a Marvel Unlimited, where I can go back and read trades of comic books that... I've been looking for single issues or I'm missing single issues and just kind of want to consume that. Like I want to do the Fantastic Four run from, um, what's his name? Jonathan Hickman. Oh, dude, it's so good. Yeah, I haven't read that in years. Like I, I read so it, good. but I want to go back and reread some of this stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, this might be a great avenue is utilizing that trade mentality, but applying it to digital and signing up for Marvel Unlimited for, I don't know if you can do a month or six months or maybe even a year subscription right. and allow myself to really get up the curve on some of these comic books that I haven't had the chance to get to. Like when I was on holidays, I think I mentioned this before, I spent a long time catching up on Black Panther. The yeah. books are fantastic. 
is this the world of Wakanda or is this the Black Panther? Because I know there's like one that focuses on Black Panther and then there's another one, right? This was, yeah, the original, it's the writer who does Captain America now. I can't remember his name, right. but um, it was his original run. So this is from about like a year and a half ago. Right. And I'm catching up and I've got like, there's Black Panther in the crew or Wakanda yep. in the crew. So this yep. kind of spins out of that. Nice. And yeah, it's, it's a fantastic series, but consuming it all in trade. So this is a very viable way for me to consume comics books now. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It's cool, right? Because like you and I have mentioned before, they display really well too on a mm-hmm. bookshelf. And then it's just nice to just consume all these books. I think about six issues. You can just dive right in there. It's it's awesome as opposed to waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm at the point right now because X-Men Blue hasn't quite finished yet. So I'm like, I'm all caught up. But now I'm like waiting for the next one to come out, which doesn't come out to November. So I'm at the point where I can either buy the trade or the single issues or just wait. But I'm going to I'm gonna keep it on the trade because it's yeah. just, it's a nice easy read that way. I, I love it. It's yeah. great. It's a nice way to balance out the fun a little bit too because it is in general they're relatively cheaper than buying the single issues i'd say always go out and support your brick and mortar stores you always got to be going out and grabbing those single issues those physical copies but yeah. doing catch-ups or or running into a character that you are a bit hesitant on or didn't get in at the start and you can't find the single issues this again is a very plausible very viable way to get into that going to chapters and picking up a guardians of the galaxy book or whatever six issues if you don't like it so what you spent 14 bucks you kind of got into it you read six issues you're not over your head committed to it so yeah i I absolutely love this trade thing and this is relatively new for both of us too it is and my my last comment about the trades like it's it's really cool to the fact that you know especially with marvel and i guess even dc is that when they combine these stories they'll include like annuals yeah other little miscellaneous issues that you wouldn't necessarily find so if you're just reading like a venom book you wouldn't think to go look for like a carnage book that also happens to go inside of that saga they're trying to explain whereas when you buy the trade everything's included so you really get the fulfillment of that one single story that they're trying to tell you yeah, and even times sometimes they'll include issues from the late '80s, early '70s yeah. that give you a bit of an origin story, or at least get you up the curve when they're referring to something very specific in the comic book, and you're kind of scratching your head, "Oh, what does that mean?" They'll give you that issue in there, and it may the art won't line up and the timeline won't, but at least gives you some context as to what the characters are talking about in the current ongoing run you're reading. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Yeah. Now, I think it's time we we slide over to some of the news. And right off the top here, we're going to talk a little bit of Marvel. Now, we just praised Black Panther in the comics. And this this film has been doing absolute gangbuster. If you had told me at the start of the year that it was going to outgross domestically Infinity War, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. But here we are. It's ticked over the $700 million mark domestically. It doesn't look like Infinity War is going to top it domestically. It has crushed it internationally but black panther is on another level and i think most people that listen and most people in the general audience and most people of course within fandom would agree that that film was a screaming success and now marvel doesn't seem to feel any different than the rest of us because they're really gearing up for a big oscar push for black panther and now they've really got their sights set on a nomination for best picture as well as a nomination for best director in ryan coogler now, Troy, I know you love the film, and yeah. you're a big Oscar guy, and you have a tendency to go and, and watch a lot of these Best Picture nominations. Do you see Black Panther fitting in to this year's Best Picture race? Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, they're going to do about nine films. Normally, they get about nine, ten. Well, about nine films. It it could possibly do it. It possibly could. I, I, I can't say it's going to win, but I could I could see it getting the nomination for sure. Um 
best director, that one's always tough. I, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes best director is even harder than best picture. Um, I really hope it does get a um, best outfit costume design. Yes, I was... think that'd be really cool. I think it actually win if it does get costume design, if it gets that nom. So I am hoping for that. But I, I love this. And, you know, um, I guess eat your heart out, um, Ethan Hawke, because he he had some words, I guess, about uh, comic book <laughs> movies. So uh, this proves a lot right here. But I'm, I'm rooting for it. I'm, I'm always rooting for good films. And it's not like this is like a bad superhero film being nominated if it gets it. This is this is was a fantastic film, a great hit, awesome, awesome message all across the board. So um, I'm hoping for it, man. All the best for this film. Yeah, Ryan I, Coogler, that's my dude. He's, he's a fantastic director. I think he's three for three right now with Creed, Fruitville Station, and Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I, I fully agree with you there, man. I think Coogler deserves that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like you said, it's hard to, to calibrate what a, a Best Director nomination is. Like, I, you look at everything, and if, of course, it usually is paralleled with the best film. But it not all, it's, it's not always there. Right. So I'd like to see these type of films comic book movies in general step away from these technical categories those always have been the yeah we're going to give them a nod it was a great movie but here's best special effects type thing right and they've been talking about and i think it's been confirmed that they're doing this best popular film unfortunately yeah and so i don't know if that applies for this year or if that's next year's oscars i believe it's next year's yeah. so 2019 yeah so black yeah. panther technically wouldn't fall into that category or have the opportunity to fall into that category. Cause that's kind of an obvious out for some of these bigger films. You know, they're, they're propping up the box office, but we're also getting the quality out of them. You right. know, black Panther infinity war, very high quality films. And do I think black Panther deserves a nod? You know what? It's, it's time. I think yeah. that if any film outside of maybe the dark Knight, yeah, maybe winter soldier, yeah, I'm deserves there with you. a nod. It's this film, but realistically, I don't think it's going to get it. You know, as much as I'd yeah. love to see it, I think they're more likely to get a Kugler nod than a Best Picture nod. For sure, and and it's tough too because with these Oscar movies, they normally start getting a push around October, November, yeah. December. That's when they get the hard push. So it's it's going to be pretty tough, especially because this film came out February. Yes. It's really hard for a film to you know go all along the way to get pushed for next February. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if they're going to do a bit of a, a launch around this week, actually, because this week is the IMAX Marvel 10th Anniversary Film Festival that they're doing. That's right. So starting this Thursday through till next Tuesday, there's an opportunity at very particular IMAX screens. There's actually one here in Calgary that are re-showing the entirety of the MCU. And then I believe early next week, there's a best or there was a team up film one, there's an origin story and there was a fan choice. Right. So black Panther, I believe is being shown twice in the origin film and then in the proper sequence that we're seeing. So this is another way to get the film back into the public consciousness. I don't think it really ever left, but it's another way to get it back out there and have people seeing this, consuming it and, Maybe it's time to start thinking about this. It's, I don't think it's a big coincidence that we're starting to hear about this. Right. Because the film's about to drop back into theaters for, yes, only a week, but it's still going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Are you going to be it's checking gonna be any tough. of these? Oh, sorry. Oh, no. Uh, I, I was pretty much done. I, I just, I, I think we're also getting a couple pushes. I think there's some film festivals. I think Toronto Film Festival is just around the corner, too. So that's another big push. Yeah. Not for Black Panther, unfortunately, but for these other films that, you know, try and go after the Oscar. Yeah. So it has its work cut up, cut cut against it, cut out against it. But um, 
checking into these Marvel films, yeah, I definitely want to check Spidey. Yeah. I think that falls into the origin. Yes, film, is it? both. I think it's in the, the normal order and the origin. I think right. it's showing twice. And you know what, man? Like, my wife and I were talking about it. I might have to see Infinity War again. Like, yeah. I, I've been watching it on my phone. I've been watching it at home. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love this film. And I might have to see it one more time on the IMAX. Like, ah, this film's incredible. Yeah. I narrowed my three films down. I, I looked at the timings, what could work out, what I hadn't seen in yeah. recent history. So I kind of said, I want to see something that's older than two years. So cool. the films I picked were Avengers, Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually threw a poll up on Twitter there that a bunch yeah. of you guys voted on. And the vote came out to Winter Soldier. And that's the one nice. I wanted to see in theaters. For me, it was really Winter Soldier or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. For what reason, I don't know. But those are two films that 2014, they really stick out to me as being some of the best in the MCU outside of this last year of filmmaking. But I think I'm going to try to check out Winter Soldier. I believe it's Friday at 4 o'clock here. So that's a oh. very doable time for me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, man. Oh, that's going to be great, man. That film is so good. Uh, there, there's so much you could go on about. But just seeing, you know, obviously Winter Soldier, uh, the fight choreography between him and uh, Cap, obviously, oh. there is, is fantastic. I think we mentioned the score was pretty cool, too, in that film. Yeah, because it is one of the first ones, I think in the MCU that you had definitive pieces for individual characters. Right. Like you knew Winter Soldier was coming because of that screeching score they had behind it. Oh, it's haunting. Yeah. Yeah. And then Captain America had that, that pumping brass type of, of score behind him as well. And then it also at the really intense scenes, it really picked up the score there. So, you know, we talk about in the, in the retrospective series and as we're reviewing Marvel films is that the score in itself hasn't been that impactful in a lot of films. I'd argue that one, Black Panther and Infinity War, all have very impactful scores. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Fantastic. That's going to be good. Yeah, I can't wait for that, man. And speaking about Disney, you know, they're they're part of or the the owners of Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, all that. So we spend a lot of time in that universe. And we're going to spend a lot more time there, it seems, in the not-too-distant future because their streaming service is coming in 2019. Now, there's a bit of a hiccup here on the internet, Variety had announced and they had taken some quote from Bob Iger, some off mention that the Disney streaming service actually had a name in Disney Play. Seemed to make sense. <laughs> but I guess that's not the truth. So there was a Disney representative that commented in an email. Now, there's no names associated with this, but basically that the name for the upcoming Disney streaming service has not yet been announced. So I don't know if that was a bit of a leak or whatever. It had people kind of all over the place talking about Disney Play, the significance of it, the fact we're going to get everything from High School Musical to Star Wars to Monsters, Inc. Captain Marvel is going to be the first film to drop onto that. It's going to be the biggest priority for the company in 2019. Exciting stuff, but I was I was kind of digging the Disney Play. <laughs> but whatever, you know, it was a bit of a mix-up. But it, it's telling me that... When we start to get these type of rumors, it feels like things are starting to get close to an announcement, at least, that you're starting to hear that chatter. And I think in the not-too-distant future, we're likely to get this laid out in front of us. No, definitely. I, You know, I, I think this was kind of like their ploy. I think they did this on purpose. Maybe, to, like you said, get us speculating, get us hyped, you know, because not everybody is in this world of, knowing what's going on you know everybody knows there's even going to be a disney streaming device going on here we're obviously in the know but i feel like this is just a way to kind of hype up the crowd and 
because when I heard Disney Play, I was like, yeah, that's cool, but we we got Google Play, so I thought that was kind of weird, like yeah. Google Play and then Disney Play. But uh, I I feel like it's just just a way to get it out there and have everybody get hyped for us because I'm I'm totally on board. I can't wait. Another cool thing is too, I guess the price point. I think they said yeah. it's between nine bucks and fourteen bucks, so it's going to be competitive. It's going to be cheaper than Netflix, which is awesome. Yeah, obviously. which is great. I like I'm headfirst into this. There's no Definitely. way I'm not getting this. When you look at even the back catalog of films are going to have for the little ones. Like that's going to be fantastic. The Champ. Yeah, exactly. Lady and the Champ. Uh, I think it's a live action. Yeah, I think that's no going way. directly there. That's cool. It's, and then it's cool. I'd even buy this just purely for I believe Clone Wars is dropping on there. The Favreau live action, of course, yeah. and oh, yeah. whatever they're going to do for Marvel. Like they're going to leverage all of these big brands, and they're going to see whatever the hell's coming from Fox as well. Oh, that's going to be yeah. Well, we're going to get Simpsons on there. Everybody loves yeah. the Simpsons. There's going to be tons and tons of content. Oh, I, yeah. I, I can't wait, man. Yeah. Day one, subscribe. I hope it's there's not going to – I don't see them having any issues like the DC I don't think streaming so. device. I'm sure we're going to get it over here, no problem. It would make sense. So Yeah, and it looks like, at least from some of these rumors that we're getting out, is that there's not going to be this abrupt halt on Netflix. There is deals in place. It looks like potentially even the Marvel Netflix series are going to hang out on Netflix for quite some time as well and maybe even continue there. So there's going to be a transition period, it looks like, where things are slowly migrating over to Disney and they're still going to be existing on Netflix. You're going to be getting the new content on Disney. So it looks like that if you're worried about losing all of your Disney content uh, the day that the Disney streaming service kicks up, I don't think that's fully the case. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a bit more of a of slow burn across. Where I'm sitting right now, I'm I'm pretty done with the uh, the Marvel Netflix yeah, stuff. It, it can it could stay there, and I'm uh, I'm how, highly speculating. I, I could be completely wrong, but we get like the Midnight Suns exclusively on the Disney stream. So you're gonna get like um, is it Werewolf by Night and Moonlight, and yeah, you're gonna Midnight, get yeah. uh, Blade, like Ghost. Well, I guess they already have Ghost Rider, but you could do those guys, keep it kind of R, and, and make that the new kind of Netflix, but it actually is in sync with uh, the MCU. I'm yeah. totally up for that. That'd so. be awesome. The only things I'm going to continue to watch on the Netflix there from the Marvel side is I'm going to watch Daredevil season three. They're talking bullseye. We know that Kingpin's back in it. So that's going to be a pretty wild season. And I'll watch Punisher season two as well. Those are the two giants. I think yeah. those are the best ones. Yeah. yeah so by far I'm going to be watching those. Nice. All right, my dude. Well, I think it's time to take a little bit of a break from the news. We're going to pick back up with some DC stuff in a minute, but we're going to take a pause here and we're going to do Grabs' question of the week. Unfortunately, due to our audio issues last week, we kind of had to push this question out a little bit, but we're going to get to it here. And we are less one man, uh, but nonetheless, I think we're going to have quite a robust conversation around his question. Now, the subject here is Rescue Hindsight. Now, Grabs writes, I recently watched The Incredibles as well as The Dark Knight and came across a scenario I find I found interesting in both of them. They both contain regrettable rescues. Mis- Mr. Incredible rescues a man during an attempted suicide and ends up being the catalyst to drive superheroes underground. Well, Batman saves Harvey Dent, who ends up becoming a villain. So this week, my questions for you are, what other heroic rescues have turned out bad for the heroes and the population of that universe? Which failed rescue attempts have had the biggest impact on heroes? And finally, which heroes do each of you think used his slash her powers or abilities to make the most for personal gain? To make this non-unanimous, Tony Stark is off the table. (laughs) Thanks in advance. Grabs. All right, man, this is another brain buster 
of a question. I actually sat and thought about this and I, I had a hard time actually coming up with particulars for this, but let's see what we can throw on the table here. We're gonna break this down into three separate sections. We're gonna start with what other heroic rescues have turned out to be bad for the hero and the population of that universe. Now, do you got any pulls there for me? This was a hard one, man. Yeah. Grabs, salute, dude. You were killing me. I don't know about you, Tim, but this guy yes. kills me because these questions are just, wow. On point. Yeah, man, they're they're nuts. Um, so of course I'm gonna fall back on uh, Spider-Man for this yeah. one. Um, great attempt, but he failed in the rescue for uh, Gwen Stacy. Obviously, when um, Gwen Stacy died, you could say is either Green Goblin when he she was thrown off off the bridge, yeah. but Spidey used his web line and I believe it snapped her neck, unfortunately. So that's on that's on Spidey. So failed attempt. He's just a young college kid. He's learned a lot since then. But uh, yeah, Spider-Man gets the L for that one. So yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah, that I could think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw that in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and that was one of the better parts of that film. The chemistry for between sure. the two of them, and the finality of that scene. Her breaking right. her neck. Was it him? Was it you know the ground? What was it? Right. So and that's always been a big catalyst point outside of the Uncle Ben for Spider-Man, and yeah. so for a character focus, that's got to be probably one of the biggest ones. It, it really is, and it's cool because even when you read current comics later on, you know when Spider-Man's trying to do the same kind of maneuver, he thinks back like I'm going to go for the waist, or I'm yeah. going to go for some other part as opposed to wherever he went for. Like looks like the chest almost, right? Yeah, 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 in the movie at least. So yeah, it's it, it's it's cool. So that's well, it's not cool, but that's that's the one I'm going to go with there. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about so this one I found really difficult, and the only thing I could really think of, and I'm not a big DC guy, was. Is, is Batman in general. Now, I'm going to talk a bit about Batman in the failed rescued attempts. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Batman has always had this tendency. He has this rule, right? Um, yeah. Really, he will not kill. Now, he bends that a little bit in some of the films. But I'd have to think at some point in time, you know, Batman has saved most of his villains. He's, he's rescued them from what could be imminent death. And right. realistically, he has this rule that seems to be he will rescue anyone at any point in time. We see it in The Dark Knight. You want to call it heroic or not, mm -hmm. he rescues the Joker while he's falling to his death, screaming and laughing. Right. And yes, we didn't get to see any conclusion to that arc in that film universe, but surely that wouldn't have turned out great. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> Having that madman running so. around. I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's proven every day in the comics. I mean, the fact that Joker still lives even after killing his his second sidekick, Jason Ch Jason Todd. Yeah. Joker's gone on to uh, you know uh, paralyze Batgirl. Yes. For instance, you know, humiliate um, Jim Gordon. He's done terrible, terrible things yes. over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Joker, stop rescuing him, Batman. It does not turn out well for you or the population of your universe. <laughs> now, this this next question, this next part of the question, I, I really had fun with, actually. And it goes, which failed rescue attempts have had the biggest impact on heroes? Ooh. Now, the first one I'm going to pull here is, it's a bit of a combined one because the comic version isn't particularly a rescue, but the film one is. Now, we're going back to Captain America Civil War and the Civil War comic book arc. Now, if we look at the film, which applies a bit better to this question, we see the catalyst for Civil War being Scarlet Witch's failed rescue attempt 
with Captain America. Now Crossbones goes to kill him. She stops it, throws the guy in the air, explodes, Wakandan's dead, leads to really the unraveling of the Avengers themselves right up into Infinity War. Now if we look back into the comics, it's a slightly different take and they adapted it for the film to fit that universe. But in the comic books itself, we have the new warriors. They're doing kind of this video YouTubing type thing. And they go after a few villains that have escaped from Riker Island. And this eventually leads to Nitro blowing himself up and killing, I think, like 600 people or injuring 600 people, killing like 60 kids. And that itself was the catalyst for the Superhero Registration Act and all that. So in my mind, I'm kind of trying to meld both the comic and and film universe here in a sense that it wasn't so much a failed rescue attempt, but it was a failed attempt at using their powers to do good, to save, say, people from, I can't remember what they're doing, robbing a bank or something like that. But Mm -hmm. that single moment in the Marvel comic book universe changed everything, had a huge impact on the forward-going narrative in every single comic book at Marvel. That's a good pull, man, especially uh, the comic one, because at that time, uh, 2005, Mark Millar's, I think it's 2005, right? Yeah. yeah, Civil War. That was that was huge. It, it was so current for its time. I mean, like you mentioned, the new, um, new, Warriors. The new Warriors. Yeah, they were filming. It's a reality TV series, right? They were doing it. At that time, reality TV was everywhere. Yeah. You know, but we weren't getting superheroes really fighting each other. And this is the book that started it all. You know, it, it was like nothing we've ever read before at the time the art was fantastic too we got captain america being the most captain america in my opinion ever i mean you, you could you probably know better than i do because you're more of a cap guy but you know we got great shots of him jumping out of the jet oh you yeah. know that there's some fantastic stuff in this book very um, cinematic yeah. oh very cinematic absolutely and then you get iconic iconic images of, of cap and uh, iron man going toe to toe with uh Unibeam and the shield. We got Spider Man in the Iron Spider costume. He reveals his identity. There's so much you can draw from this story. It's fantastic. So great pull. Yeah. What are you like What are you that. thinking for this question? Which failed rescue attempts have had the biggest impact on heroes? Uh this one's tough. I'm gonna have to go Star Wars if I can, because like, I really don't got anything else. Um, Obi Wan's failed attempt to. I don't know if he is meant to rescue Anakin or not, but I'm gonna use it in this case. So yeah. his major failed attempt because. Because he didn't put Anakin down, we basically got the worst thing ever for the for the Empire, for the galaxy, is the birth of Darth Vader fully um, just raving havoc across the galaxy. Yeah. So because Obi-Wan didn't put him down and uh, make, sure, make sure he burned to death, we got just the most horrific thing ever. So I think that's all on Obi-Wan. Uh, huge, huge uh, mistake on his part. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's where I'm going. <laughs> I got I got two more quick ones. I'm gonna chuck out there. Nice. Um, how about uh, Batman at the end of Batman Begins, a film I just watched, um, not rescuing Rasha Ghul from Rasha Ghul, however you want to say that, from that train car or whatever it is. So it's it's not so much a failed rescue attempt. He never really tried to save him. But that led to kind of the unraveling of the League of Shadows, which eventually leads to Dark Knight Rises and the rise of his daughter and Bane and this whole crew, right, coming back to Gotham. So I thought that was kind of an interesting one that, you know, Batman, again, having this rule, we just spoke about him saving a lot of his villains. He made a conscious choice in this film to not save, so to not rescue Rachel Ghoul the way he has done in the past to almost all of his villains. And that led to a much bigger implications in that universe, in that Nolan universe. That's a good one, too. I, I love that film. What did you think about it when you went back to it? 
You know, I uh, the reason I went back to it is because Mark Gossif, he's got a, uh, a Patreon campaign. They do a movie club. Um, nice. And so I wanted to watch it before I listened to what they had to say. But um, I, I liked it. I find it's not nearly as epic as the following two films. Mm-hmm. And I have a really hard time with Katie Holmes as um, Rachel Dawes. Oh, yeah, because they switched the actor yeah. after. Yeah. Oh. I felt she was very stiff in that role. But I liked a lot of the Bruce Wayne stuff. Um, the Batman stuff I'm, I like much more in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. But I felt the Bruce Wayne stuff is really well done in this film. It was a great, you know, you'd almost want to call it Bruce Wayne Begins, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I've always felt that Christian Bale's strength was better served as Bruce Wayne yes. than Batman and throughout the whole franchise, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, 100%. Nice. The last one I'm going to throw here is another cap one. It is the failed rescue attempt of Bucky. So oh, when they ret- when they retconned all of that, and this has been told numerous times in the comic books, but essentially Bucky falls off the same rocket that Captain America rides into the ice, and him flying off there unravels Cap's universe and eventually leads to the Winter Soldier arc. And so there's huge implications there for the individual hero. And you look at Cap both in the film and in the comic book universe, this is something that he turned to for years, blamed himself for years that his best friend who was a teenager at the time, died because of him. And we see this, again, being one of the catalysts in the Civil War film, is right. his regret for losing Bucky, for not being able to find him, for trying to recapture who he is. But he's a very different human coming into that Winter Soldier film. So that's another one where you have a rescue attempt. You know, you see it in the film, in the, in the first Avenger too. He doesn't quite get there. And that has huge implications for that universe in general, the MCU. So that's another one. That's the last one I'm going to say. I, that, that's one I had quite a bit of fun with. That's a good one, man. Nice. Now, for the last question here, finally, which heroes do you think have used his or her powers or abilities the most for personal gain or fame? And Tony Stark is not on the list here. We can't use him. Um, I got two in a way, but it's the same, it's the same character. So when you go back to Spider-Man's early career, obviously he became a wrestler. He is all about himself. Um, the fame, the glory, all that kind of stuff. But then he had a huge lesson learned when his uncle died due to the fact that he didn't step up to the plate with his responsibility. So I go with that one, which is easy. But then if you go to, um, the house of M universe, when everything gets flipped over, um, Spider-Man is becomes famous still off of his powers he's um basically still capitalized off of what he was doing in the first place when he became spider-man so if you could basically go back to the beginning when peter became spider-man and became a wrestler say he just lived a happily ever after life doing what he did and uncle ben didn't die so he still stayed capitalized off of the powers that he gained from the the bite of the spider but he was known as a mutant, but never told anybody that he's a mutant because in the House of M, mutants are treated like gods. Yeah. So that's a little backstory to, to House of M. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, both Spider-Man stories there. Yeah. yeah. I tried to take a different spin on this one. And I've got actually Professor X and Magneto. Cool. And I'm using this more for the personal gain end of things. So Professor X, you know, and even Magneto, they both have causes that they really push for that they really support now professor x's might be a bit more altruistic but he essentially uses his powers to create a a fighting force for his cause in the same way that magneto does and so i find it it, it's kind of unique in the sense that yes they are fighting against 
you know, everything from from genocide to discrimination in that mutant universe. But both of them use their superior powers for their own gain. Yes, they have causes, but I find that's you know, even Professor X, when you go into to some of the comic books and he's used his powers to really isolate Jean Grey. And you see Magneto using a lot of his powers to manipulate different people. And it's really Magneto. You know, he has a very personal war against humanity. And to a degree, rightfully so. But he uses a lot of his powers for that personal gain to fight that fight that he has with humanity. And so it's kind of a weird one. But I think they're kind of the different sides of the same coin, Professor X and Magneto. You're kind of yin and yang to all that. But to a degree, I would say there's a lot more personal gain in there than you do have, say, with other heroes like um, maybe even Captain America or, or Thor, something like that, where I find that they're fighting less for themselves and the cause they support and more just to be heroes, just to fight against evil. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, ah. no. I get that. Yeah. I get that. That's cool. I, I was going to say, um, for all we know, who knows? Maybe Professor X is just brainwashing everybody. Yeah, you know, who knows? Making things even worse. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's living the lives he wants them to live. <laughs> Anyways, thanks a lot, Grabs. This was a real, real tough one for us, I think. I really had to think about this. I'm glad we had an extra week to kind of sit on this yeah. and walk through it in my mind a little bit. But as always, you're killing us here, but we're loving it as we're doing it. It always brings that that unique dynamic to the podcast. Kind of gives us a nice break from the steady stream of news that we're going to continue talking about here. And we're going to be skipping over to the DC universe just, just for a moment here. Now, Stephen Amell, he's, he's Green Arrow, Oliver Queen on the Arrow TV show on the CW. Now, I don't watch this show, and I don't believe you do either, right, Troy? No, I gave up after uh, season three. Season three, yeah. Ball. yeah. So I think it's going into season seven here. Wow. And one thing that's caught my eye, Stephen Amell, I have him on Twitter. He he's for whatever reason, I have like this comic book and movie little side Twitter thing that pops up and he seems to always be on there. And he shared a poster today that really caught my attention. And the reason he's caught my attention because there was a story that you and Sanjay spoke about what feels like years ago, like yeah. 50 or 60 podcasts ago about Green Arrow battling his way out of a prison. And now it looks like Oliver Queen's revealed himself, I guess, spoilers, to the Arrowverse. He's been put in prison alongside a lot of people he's been put in there. So I'm wondering, this, and you said it was a script, I believe, right? Yep. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Because I have some vague recollection of what I'm thinking, and maybe they're taking that and folding it and adapting it into this TV series. Yes, going way back, I can't remember. It could be during the time when we had Brian Singer's Superman Returns, or it could have even been, unfortunately, when we had the uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern. But <laughs> DC was trying to basically establish a uh, Green Arrow Supermax, which is basically think Batman fighting all the villains he's put in um, Arkham Asylum, but it's Green Arrow, Green Arrow, Oliver Queen uh, kicking ass, which which just sounds so cool. It's just a film of a superhero in a prison fighting all the enemies that he's put there. I, I mean, what else could you ask for? So I was totally up for that. Uh, they, they pulled the plug on the film for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they had plans to do the Arrow TV show. I'm not too sure. But um, if they're going to do this for season seven, I'm totally on board. Like the CW uh, TV series is pretty great, despite what I think of what they've done recently with Arrow. But I think Flash is pretty cool. I do like Supergirl season two. And um, 
Legends of Tomorrow is not too bad. So, and I heard Black Lightning is pretty cool. So, anyways, going back to uh, to Green Arrow season seven, I, I definitely want to dive in. If they're gonna do this, but expand it across like four or five episodes, like I don't want them to just do like an, an episode of this because when you go back to Flash, they kind of teased us with Flashpoint and they squashed it all in an episode. I want them to really elaborate with Oliver Queen. His identity identity is revealed, and he's in the Supermax for like four or five episodes. That'd yeah. just be freaking awesome yeah this arc yeah. needs to be yeah minimum three episodes yeah and ideally five to yeah. really stretch this thing out give it a good chunk of the season to give some room here to do some storytelling and get that action that this is seemingly this this image here this poster is seemingly kind of hinting at so yeah i just want to throw that out there for those that are fans of arrow you know maybe give us a bit of a heads up as to what's going on what you think is going on in season seven but it just got the wheel spinning there and it got me a bit excited for a tv show that i've literally never seen a single episode of yeah no check it out man honestly go back to season one season two like i don't know if he still is but at the time he was definitely that versus um universe's batman yeah he's he's so cool what he does in that show and and steven amell props to him he's great as this character he, yeah. he just knocks it out of the park as uh, as Oliver Queen. It's a different take from the comic, but I, I love what they've done so far with him, back yeah. then at least. So Fantastic yeah. stuff, yeah. So it looks like we're going to get the debut of all those TV shows here within the next couple of weeks. They've announced yep. the big crossover they're doing between all the four main shows, it looks like. So the Disney, or Disney, <laughs> DC TV universe, you know, we've commented us on, on the past, is they have their... their shit in order they they know what's going on they know how to do these crossovers and they have a very solid lineup of tv shows so you know i don't watch any of them but for those that are over consuming dc on that side they're giving you lots of great content a hundred percent man yeah and and they're de- they're animated movies too yes the animated movies are awesome right now i just watched uh, the death of superman i gotta give it a shout out because it's wicked it's on my list it's on my list i got, Check the, got out, the digital man. code Check it out. It's a lot better than Justice League. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Let's start talking here and move into kind of our concluding piece of this episode. And that's discussing Star Wars in a bit of detail here. Now, we're getting a lot of information from Episode 9. So I'm going to put a caveat here and a spoiler warning for those that are trying to avoid some of the Episode 9 spoilers. We're going to talk a bit about some of the casting that's been revealed over the last day. And also the first leaked set photos. We're just going to talk about a couple of them very high level. So we're going to try to go into too much detail on them. But if you're looking to avoid spoilers, maybe skip ahead five minutes or so and jump into our discussion about Star Wars in 2019. So you've been warned. We're going to talk a bit about episode nine here and then go into kind of the concluding portion of the Star Wars talk for this week. All right. So let's talk casting here. So we got the big announcement a couple weeks ago about the cast is going to be joining Episode Nine alongside of our mainstay characters in Finn, Poe, Ray, Kylo, kind of the mainstays for this main trilogy or this new trilogy, I should say. And then we also got some insight as to who else was going to be joining them, you know, the likes of Carrie Russell, uh, Richard E. Grant. And then some of the alums from the OT in um, Billy D. Williams. So really kind of rounding out the larger cast that's already associated with Star Wars in this new era. I also forgot Naomi Aki. And this past week, we got 
announcements through Deadline that Dominic Monaghan has signed on for a role in episode nine. And also today, actually, Doctor Who alum Matt Smith was revealed to be joining the cast of episode nine. So two fairly big players in the nerd world, you know, Dominic Monaghan, we know him from the Lord of the Rings and Matt Smith. Yes, I'm not a Whovian, but he's a big, <laughs> big Doctor Who alum um, one of the favorite doctors in the last few years. So these are these are big actors moving into roles in episode nine and really filling out what has turned out to be a very large cast. Now, with these two actors joining the fray here, you know, do you think they're going to be big players? Do you think they're going to be on the the resistance side or the rebellion? I guess we're calling it now again, the first order. Where do you think these guys are going to land as far as their roles in Star Wars episode nine? Uh, Dominique, I'm not too sure. I, I could see him being minor, um, yeah. which I, he, Charlie from Lost, right? Yes. Fantastic. Lo- like, Rejoining J.J. Abrams too, right? Right? Oh yeah. man, just, that's awesome. So I'm glad he's joining the fray. Um, I've never been a big Doctor Who guy, so I don't know much about, uh, about Matt. I, I know my wife watches him in The Crown. I think he's also in oh, it yeah. as well. Yeah, an Emmy nomination <laughs> for that. Yeah, he, he's a talented dude. And, and he, you know, he, he fits the Star Wars mold. Like if you look at him, you're like, that guy is, should be in a Star Wars film. So I'm totally down with that. I'm always up for, you know, casting talent, obviously. So it looks good for me. I'm, I'm totally excited. Where, where are you placing these guys? Matt Smith, more first order? Is he going to uh, be? Oh, yeah. Matt Smith. Yeah. He has that jawline and yeah. everything in the eyes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely. He's British too, right? Right. <laughs> so he fits exactly. that mold. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I could definitely see, I, I want to say Charlie. I, I could definitely see Dominic uh, more on the Rebels. Yeah. The Rebel side or the Resistance side, I should say. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what we're calling it now. Is it the Rebellion or the Resistance? They kind of refer to it as the Rebellion at the end of The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, right. I, I don't know where we're at, but uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. I think that, yeah, Matt, he looks very much like a First Order, I don't know, officer <laughs> or maybe a senator of some sort that is supportive right. of the First Order. And Dominic feels like, I, I don't know if he's going to be like a, um, what's his name, uh, that played Uncle Plot. Um, Simon Pegg. Oh, okay. Yeah, is he yeah, going to be yeah. playing that type of role where he's, he's, you know, he's in the film, but he's not really in the like film. CG puppet. Yeah. yeah. You know, Simon Pegg was technically in The Force Awakens and J.J. Abrams has a tendency to go back to actors he's familiar with. You know, Simon Pegg, he worked with on the Mission Impossible series, I believe. Um, right. You know, Dominic from... Charlie, as you said, from Lost. So, <laughs> and another guy from Lost too. I forgot. Um, he popped up in Force Awakens. I forgot his name. I forgot the actor's name. Yeah, he's he plays um Wesley Sna- or Snap Wesley Wexley, I believe. Right, the bigger right. guy with the beard, right? Well, there's him, and then there's the other guy at the little command center too. I, I totally forgot the actor's name. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. Yeah, I, I forgot his name, but he's in Lost for a little bit there, too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he has a tendency to go back to people, but <laughs> for, for relatively minor roles, you know. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think that Dominic Monaghan's probably in a minor role. Matt Smith, I, I don't know. I see him maybe playing a bit more of a substantial role, maybe alongside Richard E. Grant. We've all made an assumption, too, that he is involved with the force order in some capacity again he fits the mold he's got a jawline he's british <laughs> i think he's british is he british i'm pretty sure he yeah. is yeah yeah pretty sure <laughs> so all exciting news you know seeing this cast fill out and the potential here like you said talent is mm-hmm. coming to the screen coming to this film i'm excited about these reveals and i'm excited to see what these guys can do in the star wars universe 
For sure. And uh, the Seth photos? Yes, yeah, Seth man. photos, man. What are, what are you thinking here? So we're going to talk about two in particular. There's a whole bunch of them that were floating all over the internet here. But the, the two that we're going to talk about here is there's one that's focused a bit in on Finn and Poe, and they have very different costumes. Finn's got different hair. And then there's another one where we have Chewbacca and there seems to be these guys riding around on horses with what looks like CGI markers of some sort. Right. Yeah, no, these these look good, man. I, I like that Poe and Finn really got an update for their costumes yes. too. The, the last this isn't to harp on Last Jedi by any means. It's just you know, the the time was like not even a day has yeah. passed really, you know. So here obviously we're definitely getting a time jump. Like you mentioned, Finn's hair is higher. But I like the the outfits. You know, Poe kind of has like this very indie kind of yes. look, very explorer. Right. Um, I, I like it. Finn looks a little more seasoned. I, I, I really like it's just set photos, but I'm I, I love it. I'm yeah. excited. I'm digging. Do you, do you think there's a big jump here? Like, are we talking six months? Are we talking years into the future? We're going in this film. I'm hoping two years. I would two years, really yeah. like a two-year jump. I think that would be great. That give a lot of time for these characters to evolve and grow and give us more books. It, it, you also give us time now to fill in the gaps that we always yes. love speculating. What have these characters done for the last two years? So yeah. I hope it's two years. Yeah, um, I love that. Actually, two years seems about the right amount of time. Like you said, there's a lot of uh, assumed growth in characters yeah. over that two years. So they can spend more time on really driving home the bigger arcs in the film, what they've been doing, you know, in the moment and less about let's get Finn up to the level of Poe or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's less about, you know, we've had two films of character development. We know who these characters are. Now let's shove them into situations that we haven't seen before in this new trilogy Mm -hmm. and less about, oh, we have to show, you know, a development of, of Poe. I think the assumption going to the film is he's learned his lesson. He's yeah. probably highly ranked within the rebellion resistance, whatever you want to call it at this <laughs> point. And yeah, we get that. He, he, he got that lesson in the last Jedi. He's one of the last remaining high ranking officers in the resistance. And let's go with him. Let, let's, let's see him at that, you know, step below general. Now, you know, let's see Poe as a, a very seasoned rebellion officer or, whatever you want to call it, commando or something like that, leading platoons the same way we saw him in the Before the Awakening book. You know, I want to return to Finn in a in a meaningful way, you know, utilizing that training from the First Order, order and not just kind of being the goofy guy in the background. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Go back to that book that you mentioned. Uh, uh, what was Before it? The, the Awakening. Force, Before the Awakening, because he seems like he actually has his ish together. Um, yes. There's a lot of highlights that we saw even in Force Awakens, where he's very capable of doing stuff. So I want to get back to that, Finn. Yeah, sure. well, he he fought in a lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren. Exactly. Yeah, he did lose. But yeah. He went toe-to-toe with them for a little bit. That's the Finn yeah. I want. Yeah, I want more of that. I mean, and he, he beat Phasma. So yes. let's pick up on that. Rebel scum. <laughs> now, this other set photo, not nearly as exciting, I don't think, but we get Chewbacca, of course, and we get these weird-looking, what are going to be CGI animals, I would assume, at some point. So it looks like Finn, Poe, and Chewie are out doing some exploring. Pretty cool. I like that dynamic that we're going to see, probably with these three characters. You know, we haven't spent a ton of time with these three characters in the same room, if I can nope. say that. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think here, you know, Poe and Finn's arcs were really separate in The Last Jedi, somewhat still in The Force Awakens. And so I'm excited to see them mix up the groupings here and get a lot more interaction between these three characters in particular. 
Yeah, no, I'm definitely all for that. I, I like the look of uh, of Sad Chewy yes. there. So Do we sad. know if it's the same? Actually, I believe it, it is, is the same actor yeah. that played the one in uh, Force Awakens for a little bit and Solo. Yes, and so also he's taking the over Last the role. Jedi. Yeah, and Last Jedi. So he's he's basically taking over the role. Yes, right? he has. Yeah, yeah, I assume. Yeah. Cool. So, Can't wait for that. Yeah, very cool stuff. You know, I wasn't expecting, and maybe I should have been, too much from Episode Nine, but <laughs> here it is. This is the, the first shot at it. And we're going to get more and more of this. So we, we've got, what, the better part of a year and a couple months now? Yeah. You know, 500 some odd days maybe? Wow. 400 something days? I don't know. So this this is coming. And this is coming in 2019. This is going to be probably the last thing in Star Wars we see in 2019, dropping on December 20th. But mm-hmm. preceding that, and as we jump over to our final discussion here about the next year or so in Star Wars... There's a lot of content coming out, both film and TV, as well as physical content, comic books, books, and collecting. And what we're going to do here to kind of cap off the episode is we're going to discuss some of our anticipation on Star Wars Point Forward. You know, what are we hyped about? What do we want to see the most? You know, what does this mean for Star Wars having this much content? You know, is this going to be the biggest year in Star Wars ever? Now, We've got the likes of Star Wars Resistance dropping this October. We've got Celebration in April next year. Galaxy's Edge, late summer at Disneyland, late fall in Disney World. We've got Clone Wars Season 7 dropping late 2019. With the live-action TV series from John Favreau potentially maybe getting an episode or two in 2019, but at the, at the minimum, shooting. And then we're capping it all off with Star Wars Episode Nine on December 20th. That is a big freaking year when we're just talking about film and TV. Now, if you go back to last week's episode, we talked in a bit of detail about Star Wars Resistance. We've we've done a lot of commentary on each one of these individual topics. But what I want to get from you, Troy, and even from you guys out there listening is, what are you most excited for? You know, what are you worried about? Is there anything you're worried about? You know, how is how is Star Wars going to change in 2019 for you? And what are you going to be concentrating on? Yeah, that's uh, that's tough, man. This is this is a big one. I, I could say right off the bat, though, um, I feel like Star Wars has turned it around since since Solo, and I and I'm one of the people that actually did like the Solo film. But I feel like we're kind of getting over the hope, the, the hump of people kind of bashing on Solo and bashing on Last Jedi. I feel like everybody since the the announcement of um, Clone Wars Episode Seven, Season Seven, everyone's really just back in the zone of Star Wars. And excited again. We're getting some great content like you just mentioned. And obviously we've got Galaxy's Edge, which is just going to be fantastic for everybody to experience Star Wars firsthand. Yes. Um, Clone Wars Season 7 is going to get people back to watch the original Clone Wars and then also dive into Season 7. Dave Filoni finally gets to finish the series that that started off for him. So that's always great. The the books too – not to put a downer on this, I'm not really feeling actually the Thrawn uh, alliance. It's actually oh, no. kind of kind of wishy washy. But E.K. Johnson's great, so I can't wait to see um, or, or read his book. I'm obviously excited for her. Claudia Gray or her. Yeah, sorry, e. K., yeah, and uh, Claudia Gray as well. Yes, her, oh, Come on. oh my gosh, like <laughs> she she's the best. I, I I think the throne has to be given to her over. Um, over Timothy Zahn, and, and you're more familiar with Timothy Zahn than I am. You know, um, I agree with you, man. Claudia yeah, Gray is, I, I, is. I think she kills it. She, she's my favorite. It's, it's for me. It's her, and I love Paul S. Kemp yes, for uh, Lords of the Sith. But um, yeah, Claudia Gray is just. I I could go on and on about her. But anyways, yeah. So that that book, I'm super excited for. Um, 
it focuses on Qui-Gon, yeah, I believe. And, it's a and Master and Apprentice, yeah. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan pre-Phantom Menace. Oh, and I see, and we're getting more prequel stuff. I feel yes. like there's been an outward for it, and we're finally getting some more prequel content, which is great. So all around, yeah, no, this is looking fantastic. And obviously the live-action series by Favreau, we're getting rumors that it's going to be Mandalorians, which oh. is really cool. But this is after Episode 7, or af- after Episode 6. Yes. Right? So that's going to be an interesting timeline for Mandalorians because we've never really known anything about Mandalorians, let alone in that time frame. Yeah, the the best I've ever gotten. I think I'm. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, guys out there. The most of Mandalorians we've gotten is in Rebels. That's canon. That's canon. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We, so um, this is going to be interesting to see it live action. But I think that's so well suited to see Mandalorians it's... live action. Maybe we could see Sabine because she might be back by then. Yeah. Who knows. That's going to be cool, man. Yeah. Can't wait. And hopefully um, my boy Dave Filoni gets to dip his toes a little bit into actually directing a couple of live action shows. Oh, that'd be that'd brilliant. Be cool. Yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. Oh. Now, now from the film and TV stuff, you know, we've kind of run down there. We'll, we'll jump to the physical content in a second. But if you had to choose one thing off of this list, so Resistance, Celebration, Galaxy's Edge, Clone Wars, live action, or Episode Nine, what is your most highly anticipated avenue of star wars in just tv and film for 2019 that's oh man that's tough honestly nothing's got me as excited as uh as clone wars man i get anakin back i get dave filoni like what else could i ask for i got ahsoka (laughs) yeah i gotta go uh episode i keep wanting to say episode seven i gotta go season seven the conclusion of the clone wars how it's gonna tie in to episode three my one of my favorite star wars films i Jeez, I just can't wait. Yeah, that is primed for you, man. That is yeah. like your wheelhouse. It's <laughs> it's building in. It's it's you know using elements from Rebels, like in Ahsoka and all that. We're gonna yeah. get a much older Ahsoka, the one that you know not quite, but pretty close to the one we get in Rebels. Folding in Johnson's uh, Ahsoka, I guess, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, or even older than that. Because it's gonna be when she's meets up with um, uh, Rex. Because remember E.K. Johnson's book? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah right? you're right. Yeah, the, the flashback. Yeah, so should line up with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, it's going to be so good. Yeah, it won't be older than that. But yeah, it's it's going to be something else. I, yeah. You know, I never watched Clone Wars. I'm super hyped about that. I don't know how I'm going to treat it. I don't know how I'm going to attack it here. Am I going to watch all of those episodes? I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get through some of them. But um, I may be looking to you for some key arcs cool. to get into rather than trying to consume all 120 some odd or whatever it is episodes. Right. Um, but for me, there's two things on this list. You know, I'm I'm really excited about Galaxy's Edge. I'm really excited about the live action series. But right now, what's really got me cooking inside is Celebration, which I got tickets for, <laughs> as well as Star Wars Episode Nine. Of course. You know, camping off this new trilogy, this new era of Star Wars, we've got J.J. Abrams back in the director's chair. We just spoke about some of the set photos. I'm already hyped for that. And it's really going to cap off the year, I think. You know, we're going to experience a lot of Star Wars in the year of 2019 and capping it all off with episode nine seems really, really fitting. But the ability for me to go to celebration, link up with the guys of the Commonwealth, have a time down there, really immerse myself in true fandom. I don't know, man, like right now they're running neck and neck for me. Celebration and episode nine. So it's going to be really, really exciting. Both of those events, but I'm having a hard time because me and my wife were already talking about, you know, 
we're starting to you know stash cash away for a Disneyland Galaxy's Edge sometime late next year. Oh man, yeah. See, that's that's a tough one then, right there, because yeah, you got celebration, the Commonwealth crew, like yes. you're all surrounded by what bonds you guys together in the exactly. first place. So, oh, that's gonna be incredible, man. It's gonna be something else. And, and then Chicago, Chicago's a nice city. I yeah. mean, man, might be a bit cold, but <laughs> a little bit at that point, right? Yeah. 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 Now let's talk a little bit about some of the physical content. You brought up the the books by E.K. Johnson, by Claudia Gray. She is the master when it comes mm-hmm. to writing stories. We've got a ton of comics that were announced as well. We've got that 30-issue maxi-series, you know, Age of Republic, Rebellion, and Resistance. So we're getting a ton of new content, both in the prequel, OT, and new saga, I guess, eras. So there's a lot coming there from comics. We've got that Vader series that's continuing to just blow our brains apart, which I'm assuming is going to continue for the foreseeable future. And also Star Wars Collecting. Now, we did a bit of commentary on that last week with regards to the Black series. And Kyle, our dude over at Tumbling Saber, he pointed out to us that maybe Hasbro was listening because they did drop about eight or nine bucks off of that Mimbam Stormtrooper for an online purchase. I didn't pull the trigger. Because I'm waiting for that one because it's stacked deep. I'm waiting for that one to go down to about 25 bucks or so. Yep. Um, but if you want to hear a bit about that, you know, go check that out in last week's episode. But the big thing here, you know, in Star Wars Collecting, you've jumped over to the Hot Toys. We've got the potential for Clone Wars figures dropping. You know, I'm I'm reinvigorated a bit. You know, last week we we took a bit of a poke at at Star Wars at Hasbro at collecting, I would say. Um, but after having that discussion, I felt myself a bit revived, you know, going back through some of the announcements, we're getting Ezra Chopper in the black series, but what really got me excited again, and I never lost that excitement. I'm kind of playing that up a little bit, (laughs) but was the potential for force Friday three, right? You know, we experienced that together for the first time in whatever it was. 2015 i guess for force awakens yeah uh last jedi was a bit of a dud but i'm hoping this year you know being that it's the end of this new era to a degree um of course we're gonna have new things coming all over the place but i'm hoping that they really hammer us with a fantastic force friday you know we get something where we have events we have a lot of merchandise and we have the ability to have fun. Cause I would say going back, you know, one of my fondest stars experience, cause this is both when, you know, we had just met each other not too long before this. And we kind of said, do you want to go hang out for like six hours in front of a Toys R Us? <laughs> and that was, that's some of my favorite star Wars memories is that time we had there just hanging out, talking star Wars, talking to different people, interacting yeah. and just immersing ourselves in that environment. So I'm really excited for the potential for Force Friday 3 in 2019. Oh, definitely, man. That was, that was good times. Was, it's funny. I was just telling my wife about that story again because <laughs> uh, you know that story. You know how yeah. it goes. But uh, that, oh, that was a great time. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping for it, man, because anticipation level is always high for that. You know, the, the hunt – is 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 just always great when it it's comes real. to first Fridays. It's real, yeah, exactly. And and Toys R Us now has a lot to prove. I feel like, especially Toys R Us Canada now, because it's the only Toys R Us, is a chance for them to really set themselves apart from everyone else. Yes, and 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 hit it home. Give us a big event. Yeah, I cannot. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm really hoping that they they come through on that one. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, I'm down for this Claudia Gray book. Like this, yeah. this is a day one purchase for me. Anything she does, I consume. You know, I've had a hard time lately keeping up with books. But 
everything Claudia Gray has done in this universe, I've I've listened to, and I actually own physical copies of. I'm right there with you. Lost <laughs> Stars got on Audible, and I got the book. And yeah. then Bloodlines. So, so Bloodlines. Ah, she's so good, guys. Go yeah. out there and pick up any book from Claudia Gray. I'm telling you, yeah. you, you won't be disappointed. No, you will not. And you know what, man? This year could could really take on a different tone if we get some announcements. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think in 2019 we could get announcements on? Now, we know that we have a Ryan Johnson trilogy, a Benioff and Weiss trilogy, the potential for maybe more standalones. Do you think we're going to get any sort of title announcements or inside look or at least maybe some perception as to what these trilogies are going to be covering? What What content, what era of star wars what you know characters they're going to be focusing in around of do you think 2019 could bring some enlightenment on those series or is that going to have to wait because of all the crazy stuff that's going to happen that we've already just talked about yeah i I think it's all gonna have to wait there's so much going on i think it'd just be almost overwhelming if we got anything else we might get you know maybe maybe a title of some sort but i don't think we're gonna get any announcements of anything new outside of the the ryan johnson or the um the exactly uh for all i know though i mean with so much going on maybe ryan johnson's things get shut down i don't know i mean who knows if that's even gonna happen still We'll have to see. But um, as opposed for movies, standalones, obviously we know standalone movies aren't really going to be coming out anytime soon. I think the major focus for films, obviously, is going to be episode nine yeah. and um, just kind of pushing that and, and playing it safe, especially with things like uh, the set photos. That's the stuff that we need, mm-hmm. you know, to keep us going here. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of stuff we have to keep us going, but yeah. they're, they're, they're taking all the right steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I wonder about that because – Come the end of 2019, there's got to be some insight as to what's next for Star Wars. Yes, we've laid out one hell, or they've laid out one hell of a 2019 for us. Right. But they also got to be thinking about what's 2020 bring. You know, with a pause or a seemingly, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed or not, but let's say a pause in the standalone films. And... So we don't know what's coming out in 2020. So they got to give us some perception as to, to what's happening next in Star Wars, being that episode nine is the concluding chapter, assumed concluding chapter in this new saga. We need to know what's next for Star Wars. So I think in 2019, particularly at Celebration, we might get some insight and maybe an announcement of a next film release date. Maybe that first Ryan Johnson trilogy installment. Maybe something from Benioff and Weiss. But I think they need to, to wet our appetite a little bit so that, you know, we're, we're talking about 2019 here, three quarters of the way through 2018. We need to be talking about 2020 in the same way. So I think there needs to be at least some more insight given to fandom to have us doing the same sort of discussions on things like podcasts and whatever, you know, just out in public talking about all this stuff. So 2020, you know, might not be as big as 2019, but they start to have to give us some insight within this year. Well, I think two things actually we could happen, and this this might be pretty minor, but I think for 2020, we could probably just definitely get a release of a new video game. I think that's been a big absence. Yep. Um, I, I don't mind Battlefront 2, but the story's just not really there. I wouldn't be surprised if they announced more about that kind of... Uh, big massive role-playing game not even it's not even a massive role-playing game but just an overall adventure role-playing game i think we might get more information on that i wouldn't be surprised too because obviously this is um 
John Williams final Star Wars film. Yeah. I won't be surprised if they announced the next big composer to take oh, on cool. the franchise. That'd be kind of cool Kevin if they did Klein. that in celebration. Right? Like that'd be pretty sweet to see him literally pass the baton to him. Yeah. So um I, I'd be down for a couple of those things, but but who knows? I'm just uh, man. There's just so much to grasp right now. My head is spinning with yeah. everything we got going on. So. Yeah, and it's wild. Yeah. And what I'm gonna do here to cap off this episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question and then I'm gonna answer it myself. <laughs> but do you think 2019 will be the biggest year in Star Wars ever? <sighs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what a way to close it, eh? <laughs> Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> I uh, I think so, man. I think it might be. I mean, with all the steps they're making right now, it just looks good. This list that you've mentioned looks fantastic. For 2019, we got the Disney stream service coming out. Obviously, we got the live action going along with it. John Favreau's fantastic. I just feel like if they hit everything right, we're we're in good hands. I mean, I don't see the show bombing. I don't see Dave Filoni's um, Clone Wars. It's no. His, that's his baby. I don't see that bombing. The books, I mean, we just mentioned the writers for these books. They're all top notch. I don't see them being a disappointment. Disneyland's like the best place ever. Yeah. I don't see <laughs> Yossi's Edge. And there hasn't been really a bad celebration since. I don't think there's ever really been a bad celebration. Maybe just just not like incredible. This, But they've only gone better, right? Yeah. So... Oh, man, I think it's going to be the best year. Yeah, I, I think, you know. And, 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 yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. And you know what? Going back to video games, we do get um, Clone Wars content coming out, yes. prequel content coming out for, for Battlefront 2. So I think we're in good hands. Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. When you look at the diversity of things that are coming out, everything from animated to a, a big convention, we've got the, the land, we've got a return to form of Clone Wars, a new live action series, and the end of the new saga. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be the biggest year for Star Wars ever. And that's not to mention the collecting comics and books that we're going to get and the potential for new announcements. Really? So I think 2019, I don't know if we're going to be able to top this. Like just, just purely from a diversification of Star Wars perspective, yeah. we're getting everything. Prequel era, Rebellion era, and Resistance era. It's it's And it's in all forms. It's consumable by multi-generations. And it's really about Star Wars being the biggest, I, I don't want to say brand, but biggest all-encompassing universe that it can possibly be. And what we're talking about here speaks volumes to that. So, you know, we go in these waves, you and I. You yep. know, one week we're super into Infinity War and the MCU, and the next week we can't stop talking about Star Wars. And I love that about both of those franchises. And of course, DC, you know, gets a minor part, a minor sliver there, right, Sanjay? <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm right on a Star Wars kick right now. I, I'm sure. excited again. You know, last week was a, a funny week for me because I, I was quite down on the collecting, but I find myself just reinvigorated having this conversation. And I threw it on Twitter early today, and that's what kind of sparked this idea. I was like, you know, we've got a huge year, guys. Yep. Let's be pumped about it. Let's celebrate it. Let's be excited about it. So, you know, my fandom, I'm, I'm reinvigorated here. I'm feeling super excited about 2019. And I, I just can't wait for more Star Wars, man. It's going to be a great year podcasting. It's going to be a great year being a fan. And it's it's going to be a great year going alongside it with you. Oh, yeah, man. That's what and it's all about, dude. Yeah, and the whole Star Wars Commonwealth as well. It, it's going to be an absolute freaking blast, guys and girls. Like, it's, it's going to be a riot. Absolute riot. 
Can't wait, man. Anticipation levels on our all-time high. Yeah, put that up to max. All right, well, that about does it for us this week. I'm hoping that the audio is okay. You know, we had a bit of feedback that the audio from a couple episodes ago wasn't great, and we know that. We've had issues with our mixer and all that, but hopefully everything kind of rolls through here and it's it's much more consumable for you guys. And we're excited to hear from you guys too. You know, what are you guys thinking about 2019 in Star Wars? Let us know at thenerdram at gmail.com. And as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode and you can grab everything we do on thenerdroom.net as well as starwarscommonwealth.com. And now next week, you're going to be back with Troy and I. Sanjay is off to sunny Las Vegas for that one last warm vacation before we jump straight into winter here in Canada. And I guess until then, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.